Amen. Let's uh, take our seats. I'm going to read <clears throat> the text for the sermon this morning, which is simply a communion sermon. Matthew 26, the institution here of the Lord's Supper. Now as they were eating, Matthew 26, 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And we have just simply three headings for us this morning. The first heading is that we have in the Lord's Supper, we have communion with Christ Jesus. Secondly, we have communion today, this very day as we partake of the Lord's Supper. And thirdly, it points us forward to communion in heaven. Communion in heaven. And um, in the 16th and 17th century, the reformers were really battling against all the false teaching in the Roman Catholic Church. And just because they battled against false teaching then, it doesn't mean that we don't face false teachings today of many different kinds. And, but they would ask the question, what are the marks of a true church? And that always remains an important pursuit for us. What is a true church? And Martin Luther and John Calvin, they stood shoulder to shoulder and their answer in particular, there are two marks of a true church. That's the preaching of pure doctrine. And secondly, the right administration of the sacraments. Now, sacraments are, there's two and only two. And they are baptism and the Lord's Supper. And the sacraments are not an optional extra. It's not something that's just, it's something that's, well, it's, it's okay if we have it and it's okay if we don't have it. No, it's absolutely essential. If we're going to be a true church here in Sheffield Presbyterian Church, we have to obey the teaching of Jesus. And that's why as elders, we made a decision and we're going to normalize things again and we're going to regularly practice the Lord's Supper. Because if we don't, we'll be in danger of being chastised by the head of the church, Jesus Christ. He he says, we can't withhold this from the saints of God. And so, generally speaking, in the church, we, we, we face a fairly low view of the Lord's Supper today. But, and that shouldn't be the case. Because this is instituted by Jesus. This doesn't belong to Sheffield Presbyterian Church. It doesn't belong to our denomination. It's actually given by the head of the church. And it's actually an important way that we are nourished in the Word of God. Our, if you have children here today, it's wonderful if God has gifted you as a parent with children, but it's even more important to know that children actually belong to the Lord. And so therefore, if they're covenant children, the Lord wants to display his covenant to them, which is displayed most clearly in particular in the Lord's Supper. And... Uh, 
John Calvin described the Lord's Supper, well, the sacraments rather, as mirrors in which we contemplate the riches of grace which God imparts to us. So these are mirrors. So as you're looking at the bread and the wine, it's a mirror, and what's been reflected back is the atonement of Jesus Christ. There was a, also a, a man called Thomas Watson. Uh, he was a, an English Puritan. He described the Lord's Supper as a visible sermon by which Christ crucified is set before us. So this is a visible sermon. Now, in the church, have you ever come across over the years the church using all kinds of visual aids they think, well, we want to help God along, and so we'll have all kinds of visual aids. It could range from puppets to dry ice to who knows what. But we're, we're not allowed any visual aids. You'll see in this building here, there's no, there's no crosses on the wall. It's very simple. because Why? Because we worship an invisible God. But there are three and only three visual aids that are allowed in the church to point us to the gospel. It's water and it's bread, and it's wine. And so let me remind us what Thomas Watson said. He, he said this. He said that uh, the Lord's Supper is a visible sermon wherein Christ crucified is set before us. And do you know what a barometer is? You should know what a barometer is. It, it measures the temperature. You know, we keep on being told, don't we, in the media today, every time you put the TV on, we're being told climate change, climate change, climate change. You know, it's as if they've got a new mantra all the time. All I can say is if climate change leads to beautiful weather like this, well, praise God for climate change. I like warm weather. But in terms of barometer is that the sacraments, our attitude towards the sacraments is a barometer of our theology. If we feel, well, the Lord's Supper, I don't need to come to church today because it's the Lord's Supper, nah, doesn't really matter. That's a barometer where someone is at spiritually because the Lord's Supper is very, very important. It's given by Christ. Let's get to our first heading this morning, which is communion with Christ Jesus. In verse 26, we read, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. He took the bread and he says, Take eat, this is my body. And so the very central part of the Lord's Supper is that we have communion with Christ Jesus. It's Christ Jesus who was speaking then, and it's Christ Jesus who is speaking today in the church when we have the Lord's Supper. It really concentrates our minds and our hearts upon the atonement of Jesus. And that is something we very much need. In Matthew 26 and verse 20, a little bit earlier, it says, And when it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. He reclined at table. And in John's Gospel, we have this beautiful account that John actually leaned upon the Lord's breast. Remember that. John the Apostle, he leaned upon the Lord's breast. And may we come to Christ today, the great pastor, the great shepherd of the sheep. And as we have the Lord's Supper, may we come freshly to Christ and lean 
upon his breast afresh. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And Jesus Christ says, and I will give you rest. And so what we find, first of all, about the Lord's Supper is that we have communion with Jesus. And so it, it brings Christ into absolute centrality. And the church needs the Lord's Supper for this very reason alone, that we need to keep being brought back away from man's different agendas to the preeminence of Christ. He's the one that we're here for, to lift up and exalt. You don't really want to hear man, okay, you're hearing a preacher like myself, but what you want to hear about is that you desire to hear more about Christ. Is that true? He's the one that you're coming to church for. And we see the contrast here at the Lord's Supper between and, and all the events that happen around between two very different men. And this is part of the context of the Lord's Supper. One man was called Simon Peter. Another man was called Judas Iscariot. And Simon Peter... He denied the Lord. But the difference between Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot is that Simon Peter was a true believer in the Lord and he was likened unto wheat. Remember, Satan asked that he would sift Simon Peter like wheat. But Judas actually was not a true believer. He was apostate. And Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord. And he died unrepentant. And so we need to be reminded this morning that just because we take the Lord's Supper, that the Lord's Supper in itself doesn't save us. It's Christ and Christ alone that saves us. The thief on the cross died. He didn't get baptized. He didn't have the Lord's Supper. But yet Jesus spoke to him and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. So our faith is in Christ and Christ alone. But what we see, though, this morning is that from, from Matthew 26, that Jesus broke the bread, and he's the one who gave it to the disciples. And so here, when we have the Lord's Supper this morning, as we eat it, I'll break it, and I'll give it to you. But all I am is, a, is a, an under-shepherd. But really, as you receive the Lord's Supper it's just as if Christ himself is giving it to you. That's a higher view, isn't it? To think of that. That it's the invisible hand of Christ that's giving the Lord's Supper to you. Elders are just mere men. There's no power in elders regarding the Lord's Supper. The power is in the words of institution and in, and in the working of the Holy Spirit. And now we praise God for that. So the first thing is, is we have communion with Christ Jesus. Secondly, we have communion today as we actually not only partake, for those maybe not partaking, you are partaking by just observing everything that's happening. This is a visible sign pointing us to Christ. And for covenant children, no matter how young they are, you may be Aziel at the back, we want as yell as well as older children to look forward to the day when you will be partaking at the Lord's table. So communion now. We see in verse 27, the Lord Jesus, he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. He'd given them the bread 
and now he's given them the wine. He says, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And we'll stop there for a moment. It's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We have communion today. And what's very important for us is that the Lord's Supper marks a difference between those who are in the kingdom of God and those who are not. Because in the church, we see the invisible church, but the true church is made visible by those partaking of the sacraments through baptism, but also the Lord's Supper. And so we have communion this very day, not simply me and my God. This is not just about you and your God. It's about us and our God together. And so we'll be eating in the presence of Almighty God. And that's why this is a meal that's not to be practiced at home privately. Our confession makes it very clear that private masses are forbidden. We're not to be serving ourselves the Lord's Supper at home. This is a public meal. Because as we eat and drink together, as the word of God says, Jesus says, the, the blood of the covenant is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Where does that phrase come from? Poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We find that it's actually uh, taught in Isaiah 53. And notice the word there, many. It's not poured out for every human being. It's poured out for many. Who are the many? The elect of God. If it, if it was different and God had a different plan, we couldn't fit everybody in this chapel today. The whole population of Sheffield would have to cram in here. But it's not God's purpose and plan that every single person is to be saved. And, and, and every single person doesn't get saved. But there is a number that God ordains, the many, and God will draw that number to himself. And God will draw those people to be partaking of the Lord's Supper. So see this as well as a great privilege this morning. That as you eat the bread and as you drink the wine, you are partaking, dear brother, of the greatest gift that God could ever give to anybody. And it's the gift of forgiveness of sins. And there's no greater gift for mankind than that. So never allow the devil to come and whisper into your ear and say, look at you, you're worthless. If you've been forgiven of your sins, you're worth a whole lot to Almighty God. He loves you with an everlasting love. So we have communion now, and finally, we have communion in the future in heaven, as the Lord Jesus says in verse 29. He says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until, notice that little word, until, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
And we had a wedding this week, but there's a greater wedding ahead. It's the wedding marriage supper of the Lamb of God. Have you accepted that invitation to that wedding? Because you don't want to miss that one. The invitation's here for you today. And all expenses paid by Almighty God. Imagine who we'll sit next to. We've no idea. You know, when he came to the wedding this week, all the tables were already, you know, you had to find out where you'd be sitting and who you'd be sitting next to. Imagine, Lewis, you could get there and find out you've got Abraham on one side and the Apostle Paul on the other. And, uh, and you get to heaven and the Apostle Paul says, I'm just thankful for the grace of God to be here. And you'd say, well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, Paul, but you're the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm the chief of all sinners. I didn't deserve to be here. There'll be nobody in heaven who will be saying, oh, look at that great saint over there. Look at this great saint. We'll all be giving glory to God for being there. And we'll have the privilege of taking crowns off our heads and casting it down before the Son of the living God. If we've done anything good for God in this world, we're thankful for that because some people do get the chance to do wonderful things for the Lord. But if they have, it's only because of the grace of God. If you've got children who know the Lord and you've sought to bring them up in the ways of the Lord, that's wonderfully, it's commendable. But if your children have come to know the Lord, there's only one reason why. It's the grace of God. To God alone be the glory. So we're going to have communion with the Lord in the future. We have some people visiting today and we only see you for a few hours. But in heaven, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Some of you have got family members who have already gone ahead of you or have faith in Christ. I just have an inkling that heaven really won't be really primarily about a reunion with our relatives. It will be a reunion in seeing Christ face to face. And of course, if our relatives have been saved and they're in heaven, that's wonderful. But remember in heaven, there'll be a number that's so big it cannot be counted. Isn't that wonderful? And so let's be reminded as we come to a close this morning, we're going to have the Lord's Supper together, that there was a man in the early church who we'll see in heaven. His name was John Chrysostom. He was the pastor of the church in Antioch and also in Constantinople in the fourth century. He was renowned to be a very gifted preacher. He was known as the golden mouth preacher, John Chrysostom. And listen to what he said as we close this morning. He said this, the celebration of the Lord's Supper is the commemoration of the greatest blessing that ever the world enjoyed. Let me just say that one more time. We've got the Commonwealth Games right now and People are getting excited about gold medals that they've won and so forth. Nothing like that compares with what we're about to do in a moment. Let me just read this one last time. 
The celebration of the Lord's Supper is the commemoration of the greatest blessing that ever the world enjoyed.